Educating, informing, entertaining. The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. And welcome to the Tuesday edition. We're delighted that you chose to uh, tune us in. I know there's a lot of things you could be doing on this uh, early winter evening, but, uh, you know, with the sun going down so early, it's, you know, what else are you going to do? You might as well tune into the Dan Parsons Show. We appreciate it very much. Uh, Hey, in just a moment, I'll introduce our guest, but it's a fun, jam-packed, well, we'll see if it's going to be a fun show. I have uh, The prospects of being a fun show uh, is ripe. Uh, but coming up in just a few minutes, Ryan Weber, uh, director of the Lincoln City Libraries. And it is Ryan Day here on the show. In the second half of the show, after the news at 536, we'll welcome back uh, to the show Ryan Horn, uh, the official political consultant to the Dan Parsons show. So, uh, so tune in for that. Yeah. Not a lot of shouting, not a lot of grandstanding. Uh, we like to build up instead of tear down, uh, truth over tribalism. So, uh, uh, and say hello to Mr. Johnny Cadillac, producer extraordinaire. That's a Johnny Cadillac, not, not a Ryan, but I am looking forward to what Ryan has to say today. And if Johnny, if you have to modulate my voice, I've got a bit of a head cold today. So I'm on it, but I feel okay. I just, you know, I can tell I got a little, little something going on. So anyway, uh, well, it is my delight to welcome the inaugural uh, episode of Mr. Ryan Weber, uh, director of Lincoln City Libraries. Ryan, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Dan. Glad to be here. Yeah, uh, and we were just uh, doing the pregame here, and we actually met last summer uh, down at ZooFest. That's right. Back when it was warm and uh, we were around good music. <laughs> yes. Well, I knew then uh, that uh, that Lincoln had made a very good choice because here is and 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 by the way, that's about your one year anniversary of taking on this job. Yeah. Thank you. It is. Uh, last week was my one year anniversary, and uh, just so excited to be here. We're doing a lot of great things at the library, and uh, really enjoying my time so far. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, in taking uh, taking the reins from uh, our dear friend Pat Leach. And uh, my goodness, a legendary figure here in the city. And so, uh, yeah, we're delighted that you're here. Well, thank you. Yeah, I uh, really admire uh, Pat and everything that she did for the library system. And, uh, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of good things happened over her career and uh, feel just blessed to be in uh, the library uh, following her. Yeah. Well, give our listeners yeah. a little background. Uh, you came from Kalamazoo, Michigan. And yep. so give us uh, the four one one on here's, Ryan. Right, here's my bio. <laughs> uh, born and raised in Michigan. So Nebraska is totally new nice. for uh, my wife and I. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I was born in Lansing and uh, ended up going to school at Western Michigan in Kalamazoo. And uh, my my wife and I, uh, my future wife at that point, we we met as summer workers up on Mackinac Island. Ooh, yeah, nice. we worked there for summer uh, at hotels, and she uh, she worked at a fudge shop and dished out ice cream, and I uh, guess it was love at first sight, but then... And um, what were you doing? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was uh, I was uh, a cook at okay. one of the hotels, but it was kind of cool. We my I, I worked at Mission Point Resort, which uh, we had an, uh, a, a 
bar restaurant area kind of out in the public yeah and so i was out there flipping burgers nice. in front of folks and and i picked up some some skills you know making uh uh certain dishes but nothing worthy of ever an episode here on a friday I don't think. <laughs> we were just uh, <laughs> uh we have a mutual friend chef kevin shin uh, who our listeners know is our my co-host for the friday afternoon club and you guys did a project together recently yeah, I was invited along with my wife to help out with the Nebraska Storytelling Fest, yeah. and we met Kevin and a lot of other good folks who uh, uh, put on a, a great program this uh, past month uh, here in Lincoln, and uh, had a great turnout. Jan and Randy Bretz did an awesome oh, yeah. job leading that, and just grateful to be part of that as well. They knocked it out of the park. I was there that night, and man, it was standing room only. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, let's get into the library. Um, so after a year, Ryan, what's your impression of this city and our library system? Kind of, uh, what do you think? Sure. Uh, well, I've run libraries for over 20 years. So yeah. I've got some good experience um, working in different uh, sizes of communities. And I can tell you that wherever you live, folks are always proud of their libraries. Oh. Um, and and libraries are always integral parts of their communities. And I, I noticed from afar when I um, was looking at Lincoln that we have a we had a pretty good library system here. Not only due to Pat, but um, uh, the community. You know, community really supports their their libraries through usership and through participation in some outstanding programs. And, and again, I could see that from afar, and that's all, it's only been validated over the course of the past year. Okay. Um, people are proud of their neighborhood libraries, whether you visit South Branch or Bethany or Walt, Isley, Williams Branch. There, there's an admiration, and that shows up in, in how our staff interacts with the public, but also how patrons attend programs and, again, participate in, in some of the great things that we do. It is. I, I, I hear that a lot. And I'm a life. Well, I, I spent about five years out in western Nebraska uh, before I came back uh, to Lincoln, too. So all but five years of my life I've spent here in Lincoln. But yes, the reputation that we really are a, a small, big town um, or a big, small town. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> um, and it does. It feels like community. And what uh, I think what embodies that uh, reputation better than anything is is a community of people who who enjoy libraries yeah that's so true and libraries are as they have said here for many years libraries are more than books but they're also places where um you know people gather yes and and it whether it's a your your weekly or every other day or monthly task of stopping by the library to pick up a good book or, or check out a movie or um, use a computer um, you, you meet your friends, you meet your neighbors there, you um, you meet your friendly library staff. We have wonderful staff here. We that's that's the other big component to this is not only our our um, neighbors and neighborhoods, but uh, our our staff. Um, and, we, and I know this for a fact because we just did a survey where um, so many of our staff choose to work here because it's in their heart. They want to serve people. They want to help people find access to information and good books. And that makes a big difference when uh, we're trying to do our jobs and we're trying to serve the community and um, our, our residents and our, our, our patrons love that. To be, to be welcomed, you know, when, when you come into the library, that's really felt here. Yeah, there is something about uh, that relationship with a librarian, uh, that old 
you know, stigma, not stigma, but that old reputation that, uh, that that person, even from a young age as children, as school children, going to the library and establishing that relationship with the, with the staff and the librarian. Yeah, and I, I say this all the time. I love stepping in the, in the door. It doesn't matter which branch I visit. And it's not just because I'm a uh, library director, but I, I can tell that um, I, pe- people welcome me because they want to see me. They they, they want to see me happy. They want but they also want to see um, residents served well and and walk away with a positive experience. Whether again they're checking out a book or attending a program or yeah, uh, just saying hi to folks. Yeah. All right. See, I told you this goes fast. It's the fastest hour in the Lincoln Radio. We're going to take this little break, uh, but come on back and join us. Uh, Ryan Weber, uh, director of Lincoln City Libraries. We'll be back after this. You're listening to The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. And welcome back to the Tuesday edition. Uh, Don't forget, if you miss anything, uh, you can always uh, find us on your favorite podcast platform anytime you like. Or just go to KLIN.com and scroll down on Dan Parsons' page and find episode you're looking for. And uh, we'd love to have you follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter, and Facebook. I'll just remind you uh, that uh, coming up on Friday is the second episode of Dating Over 50 uh, with Dr. Trey. And uh, we have a survey up there uh, that we'd like to have your input on uh, a dating app, uh, dating apps. And so we've got a little questionnaire that uh, psychologist uh, Trey Thompson has uh, developed, and um, so anyway, that's going to be one of our topics uh, on Friday, dating over 50. Ryan, you don't qualify. We're visiting with Ryan Weber, uh, the director of uh, of the Lincoln City Libraries. You don't qualify, but if you've got any single friends, Ryan, tell them to go on over to uh, the Facebook or Twitter page and fill out that survey. I've already noted it down. We'll, we'll do that. <laughs> uh, but we're talking about libraries. And, uh, you know, I think, I, I know you get this question all the time, uh, you know, how have libraries continued to evolve uh, in this digital age? Sure, sure. Great question. And I've been asked this question or confronted with this idea that libraries aren't um, relevant or aren't going to be relevant with the advent of, you know, more digital access and ever since I was in library school a long time ago. So you've had some experience oh, in answering yeah. this question and living this question. Well, yeah, and we see it every day. So um, we, it's important that we adapt, right, because we know that users' needs change and technology brings different formats and different ways to access information and reading materials and viewing materials. So we make sure that we try to provide provide that that material in in as many formats and easy to access um, ways as possible but it's more than just what we provide in terms of collections and um, access to information it's it is the ability to come into a library and use our high-speed internet to um, apply for a job online you know and for all of the folks who um, question or are adamant that libraries aren't uh, aren't, aren't necessary or aren't as necessary as 10, 20, 30 years ago. There are so many other people in, here in our community who rely on libraries, rely on libraries every day, every week, and we see them. Yeah. And 
one way we we know that beyond our eyes and visually, you know, are helping them at a desk, um, our usage numbers are have increased post COVID for the last two years. We're almost back up to um, that that threshold, that that level of service, whether it's circulation or checkout of books or walking through our doors. Uh, attending programs, we're almost back up to those pre-COVID numbers of 2018, 2019, and only rising at a rate that we know we're going to be past those those numbers. You know, uh, and, and with your extensive background in, in leading libraries, it just occurred to me that uh, we are a university town, and we we do have a lot of uh, educated uh, consumers here in this city, and uh, I think you know hopefully we're proud of that and we continue to uh encourage people to expand their horizons expand their education even after uh school uh to never stop learning and what better way to do that in a learning center of our public libraries yeah great point and i think that for librarians for myself we have and you probably hear this often, we have one of the best jobs in the world, right? Everyone thinks they have the best job, but um, what we can do in terms of providing help and providing access to to information materials, to to serving our community, that's awesome. But it changes every day, every week, every year uh, in different ways. And, and uh, it's an exciting uh, place to be in a public library. Let's talk, uh, Ryan, a little bit about uh, some of the uh, things that are going on. Uh, I know the Williams branch uh, is, you've got some exciting things going on. Yeah, yep. So that's our uh, newest uh, newest branch, really. Yeah. Uh, just opened up a few months ago. Remind we, our listeners where. Yep. So this is uh, Northwest 48th. So we've had a library there in that yes. um, Arnold Heights community yes. for quite a while. But for the last uh, 12, 13 years, it was um, in a partnership with Arnold Elementary, uh, right in the in the school. We had a beautiful sp- oh, space right. there, so yeah, yeah, it existed. Yeah. Yeah. But there were some limitations uh, in, in, as far as open hours, and it, uh, it was hidden back from the road quite a bit. So now we partnered with the um, Air Park Rec Center. Yeah, We're part of that yes. facility, and we have a nice, beautiful space in there provide the latest and greatest in terms of collection, a brand new collection there, uh, computers, a nice meeting space, and it's closer to the road, and we're going to have signage right out there. So we know we're going to immediately going to be serving the neighborhood better by being more than just a, a, a library meant for um, school-age students, but mm-hmm. for families for who live community right in, in the that neighborhood. Area. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. What is uh, the most uh, used library branch in the city? That is an easy answer. It's gear. Okay. Gear yep. is um, probably um, the the more centrally located yes. branch, but but it's also the furthest um, south or southeast. It's the furthest south or east branch as well. So it picks up a lot of uh, folks living in that growing area, mm-hmm. the south and east. And um, what I'd love to do is to walk in. Uh, on a busy morning, like a Saturday morning, when there's a lot of things going on, maybe around 11 o'clock, just I invite people to, to, to go there and stand at that front entrance way and watch the, the buzz of activity. That's it's like cool. a front end of a grocery store That's with people cool. checking out materials, uh, attending story times, uh, using computers. So, it's, yeah, it's definitely 
uh, uh, gear, and then that would be followed closely by Walt and then Isley, sure. and then our downtown branches. Sure, right? yeah. Um, what are some projects that you uh, are looking forward to uh, in the years or years ahead for the library? Sure. Well, um, maybe you've heard we just did a community engagement process with uh, some architects. We hired locally here BVH, who partnered with MSR Design. A firm in uh, out of Minnesota, okay, and they they have national experience uh, designing um, great libraries. So we brought them in to identify, as we look towards future improvements, uh, how how the system works. So through a series of, of community engagement sessions, surveys, and then their expertise or expert analysis of how materials flow between the system, how patrons travel back and forth what makes sense in the future how in terms of how we make those improvements do we do we shift some operations some collections to other branches and then also to identify what do we need to do for that future growth or that growth that we've been seeing you know in the south and in the east to help make a better informed decision um beyond just planning for um uh, or identifying how we're going to replace the downtown facility. We need to look at the whole library system together. And uh, so I'm looking forward to how that plays out. And what's, the, what's the timeline for that? Timeline is we're, we're rolling into the next phase, which is to, uh, we've got a, a report and recommendations that um, was just delivered. So we'll, we'll, we'll step into the next phase of, okay, what does that mean? What, how can we refine this and come up with the best solution for down the road and, and where those improvements are going to be? Very so stay cool. tuned for that. Well, you have an open invitation, Ryan Weber, to uh, come back anytime. I'd like to do this on a more regular basis, and because uh, it is, I, I, I'm a fan of what you do. I'm a fan of the the libraries, and uh, it's such an important aspect of this great community we live in. So thank you. Mm, thank you. Appreciate the time. Absolutely, folks. Uh, man, this goes fast. Uh, enjoy the news, and come back after that for uh, Ryan Horn. Uh, we'll be back after this on 1499.3 KLIN. Educating, informing, entertaining. The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. Hey, welcome back to the Tuesday edition. We're delighted that you stuck around. Oh, what a delight. Ryan Weber, uh, Director of Lincoln City Libraries. Uh, we'll have Ryan back. I, I, I'm a fan of the libraries. We didn't even get into, uh, you know, what I'm reading, what he's reading, what you are all reading. And so, anyway, we'll bring Ryan back. Uh, I think that's a, a, a great uh, addition to the show and in, uh, in talking about the Lincoln City Libraries, a place of community uh, here in our city. Uh, forgive my voice. I got a little bit of a head cold, so if you hear... Something a little funky. Uh, I feel okay. I just got uh, got a little head cold. Uh, let me tell you what's coming up on tomorrow's show. A very special guest. I'm really delighted. Mr. Alan Bierman uh, is going to join us tomorrow on the show. And uh, I, I assume, uh, for those of you who've been around a while, that uh, you remember Alan Bierman. Alan served uh, 24 years as Nebraska Secretary of State. 
uh, in 25 years as executive director of the Nebraska Press Association. Uh, you know, Alan uh, set the bar for civility, honor, loyalty. So anyway, Alan's got a, speaking of books, uh, uh, Mr. Bierman's got a new book out. So we're going to have him and his editor on tomorrow afternoon. And also joining us tomorrow, uh, Kristen Christensen, a candidate for the Nebraska State Board of Education. Well, look at us. Um, uh, talking about education and books, uh, we're doing some learning. How about that? Well, it's my delight. Uh, it, it is Ryan Day. We had Ryan Weber, and welcome on to the phone lines, our resident political consultant, Mr. Ryan Horn. Uh, Ryan, welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you, Dan? I'm doing well. Uh, are you ready for Christmas? No. Of course not. <laughs> uh, nor am I. Um, but I, you know, I bought an airline ticket, and so I'm going to see my family. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not. Uh, we, we, we do that, too. And I'll just give a warning to your listeners. If you have small children in the car, this would be your warning to turn the volume down for a moment. So, um, yes, when, when, when certain belief systems start to fall by the wayside as your kids become teenagers, um, we decided to go on a trip every Christmas instead of the, you know, instead of the uh, 50 packages all individually yes. wrapped in secret, yep. uh, which was one of the worst ideas in the history of American culture. Um, <laughs> and it makes, you know, the single father, man, that made my life easier. We love it. We do it every year. Hey, by the way, even though you're not over 50, I've been plugging uh, the Dating Over 50 show coming up this Friday with Dr. Trey Thompson. And so uh, if you if you want to jump online, it's on uh, the Twitter and, uh, excuse me, X and Facebook <laughs> posts to fill out our survey of how uh, how you think of online dating sites. So I'd love your input on that. It's anonymous. You don't have to use it. Can, can we talk about politics? Now? <laughs> <laughs> hey, look at me. I'm exp- well, I've, I've told our listeners there will be no discussion of any of my dating activity. Uh, so anyway, uh, I digress. Yeah, okay. Let's let's. Yeah, I didn't invite you on, but you just reminded me that you're a single dude as I am. So anyway, yeah, thank you. Um, anyway, I, uh, I appreciate your good input and, uh, you represent clients, uh, all across the country. You're a storyteller, yep. uh, bullhorn communications is your company. And, uh, uh, I just, I know our listeners appreciate your take on politics. And, uh, so, um, we can talk about what you want to talk about, but one thing that I know I wanted to talk about with you, Ryan Horn, is according to the latest NBC News Des Moines Register uh, poll, uh, former President Donald Trump has expanded his lead over his GOP rivals with just five weeks remaining until the first Republican presidential uh, nominating contest in Iowa. He now has a 51% uh, first choice support from likely Iowa uh, caucus goers. Uh, mm-hmm. who, who's going to stop him? Well, it, it's, you know, you, you, if you had to bet right now, you would you would say probably nobody. I, it's certainly not in the Iowa caucus. Now, now the, the, there, I think what Nikki Haley's team is probably thinking is like, is like, hey, we got a we got a gap we can shoot here, right? It's not going to happen at the Iowa caucus. But you know who hates the winner of the Iowa caucuses? 
New Hampshire primary. Oh, that's right, because they're next. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they're next, and they have a long history of rebelling, of going against you know, the way they're supposed to vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, goes, you know, go back. Remember, uh, Pat Buchanan nearly beat. Oh, that's right. Nearly beat President um, Bush. Uh, President Bush in nineteen ninety-two yeah. primary there. Um, and that was like the first sign of a, of, of a crack in his base that eventually led to President Bill Clinton becoming elected, right? That's right. So they're looking at that thing, well, you know, New Hampshire likes to go the other way. Democrats and independents can, can come into the voting booth in New Hampshire primaries, right? And, and you know, you get to score an upset there. Then you go to her home state of South Carolina, where she was governor, a very popular governor for eight years. That's kind of the, that's kind of the, 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 the pipe dream. I was going to say pipeline, but maybe it's more like pipe dream <laughs> uh, for, for Nikki Haley. I think, you know, there was discussion in Iowa. Well, I was, you know, the Iowa caucus goer is a, that Republican is a predominantly evangelical yes. voter. And, yes. and so someone other than than Donald Trump could get in there, except that evangelical voters have made a deal with the devil with Donald Trump. Yeah, right? it, it, they, they, they have decided that he is for them. And so they have overlooked. They have overlooked all of the of the rather obvious uh, shortcomings of him as a as a moral person, um, which I think very few people could really argue. Yeah, and have and have kind of thrown their lot in with him. And I think that's what that's largely what we're seeing in that Iowa polling. I think how will <clears throat> how will the abortion issue uh, play in in the presidential? Uh, primary uh, Republican primary uh, Ryan. We're visiting with Ryan Horn, political consultant, um, because you just reminded me of that. You know, <clears throat> President Trump yeah. uh, was able to get uh, three seats on the U.S. Supreme Court, and they overturned Roe v. Wade, and so the dog caught the car, and now that issue is, you know, much different than it was during the last presidential election. And so those uh, evangelical voters and others who uh, who have always made that a priority, you know, we're, just talk about that a little bit, if you could, of how that impacts uh, maybe Iowa's uh, or other Republican primaries. Uh, yeah, well, it's interesting. You know, Donald Trump on abortion is, is by far the most moderate of the field, yeah. maybe the exception of Nikki Haley. Yeah. And, and I would say that this Donald Trump's position is, you know, which is hard to, it's hard to pin down Donald Trump on any position because he doesn't really have positions. Everything's kind of transactional mm-hmm. um, with him. But where, where he's come down most recently is somewhere like, the, hey, I hear people say 12 weeks or 15 weeks. And, you know, I hear people say that a lot. So that is kind of where he that's as close to I think he ever gets to really having a hard and fast position on something like that it would be a 12 or 15 week ban or something somewhere in there. Which of course is 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 very disappointing to pro life activists and and pro life voters, but is it doesn't really matter because he he gave him three justices that overturned Roe versus Wade. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And he, yeah. now I now that I say that because sometimes what you can have is you, you can have someone who just appears to be the consensus because he and in this case the consensus candidate is Donald Trump. So many people are misunderstanding the Republican Party and the base. This guy was president three years ago. Anytime you have someone who was president immediately previous and is standing for their party's nomination, they're going to be the consensus candidate for their party's nomination. Right. Right. 
And so much of this is like the bias of the of the media, left wing media, and everything. They they can't see that this is Donald Trump is the consensus. It's up to somebody else to try to to try to break it. Now, sometimes the dam can break suddenly, and I think that's what Nikki Haley and those those folks are kind of hoping for is that all of a sudden little pieces and little cracks and all of a sudden New Hampshire, somebody surprises in New Hampshire. And then it's kind of like, well, you know what? Nikki Haley's beating, you know, in that in that Wall Street Journal poll, Nikki Haley's beating Joe Biden 54 to 38. I saw that. That's a it's a big lead. And it shows you how unpopular the Democratic vision for America yeah. is and how and how unpopular Joe Biden more specifically is. Yeah. That if it's anybody other than Donald Trump, they're going to get crushed. Yeah. Ryan, Uh, if you can hold on, we need to take this quick break. Uh, And so, folks, come on back. We're going to continue our conversation with Ryan Horn, political consultant. Come on back after these short messages. He's got a new book out. Uh, He and his uh, editor will join me uh, tomorrow afternoon. Also joining us, uh, speaking of politics, as you know, I'm trying to get as many uh, candidates uh, for office uh, onto the show, at least the ones, the the top-tier candidates. And so Kristen Christensen, a candidate for Nebraska State Board of Education, will join us tomorrow as well. So mark your calendars, uh, set your DVRs, and tune in uh, tomorrow afternoon. Appreciate it very much. Uh, We're visiting with Mr. Ryan Horn, a political consultant uh, from Omaha, Nebraska. He's got clients all around the country and keeps his pulse uh, close to what's going on in the country. Uh, uh, Ryan, I assume you're a member of Mr. Beerman? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, quite the career uh, as our Secretary of State uh, ambassador. My goodness, he was uh, a, a great ambassador for this state uh, all around the world. So anyway, Alan's got a new book out. We'll, Absolutely. You know, we'll chat with him. So talking about national politics and uh, who, if anybody, is going to stop uh, <clears throat> Donald Trump from gaining the Republican nomination for president. Uh, well, uh, let me just ask you this, Ryan. What... Yeah. Uh, short of uh, a meteor hitting, <laughs> it, you know, and we, we continue to see uh, uh, some movement in uh, uh, Mr. Trump's uh, uh, legal troubles. Uh, apparently yeah. the Supreme Court is going to weigh yeah. in on whether uh, he can uh, uh, be immune from criminal prosecution. And, um, you know, and some of those uh, some of those trials are going to start um, prior to the election. But I don't see any of that. I don't know. I just let me get your opinion. That's what we're. That's what you're here for. Uh, is there the chance that the electorate may uh, change their mind about uh, former President Trump with any kind of legal proceedings? Well, sure. Yeah. Yes. I, I think there's. But I think there's a couple things going on here. One, I think these Republican voters. They're getting their news from a from a very different news source than, than moderate voters or swing voters are. Same same way with far left voters, right? With with the Democratic base, base voters are very online. They're getting their news from places that are yeah, they're not exactly straight news outlets, right? And so their their awareness of the seriousness of of some of these charges, they're not terribly aware of how serious some of these charges yeah, are yeah. i think it was very damaging like to, to those of us who would like to see the republican party you know pick up get behind somebody new it was very damaging that alvin bragg was the first case that was filed yes. against 
Donald Trump. Yes. For it to be the silly thing about paying or not paying a porn star or whether yeah. that was taxable or something. Yeah. It's it, it all it's gross. Uh, and it and it all just seems so like, ah, here we go again. And so a lot of those Republican voters kind of just tuned out and then all of a sudden you get these charges where you know, he's on tape, dead to right, saying, look at these Iranian war plans I took from the White House yeah. and I wasn't supposed to. Mm-hmm. And he's on tape saying it, right? And so, but they're not hearing that, right? Cause they kind of dismissed all this as sort of a, an inside job. And, of course, that's what he's telling them. Um, and so that makes, I think, a lot of Republican voters fairly impervious to this. But if um, we have, if and I'm sorry to interrupt, but if we do have some yeah. of those trials start uh, while before people yeah. start voting, then we are going, everyone's going to be exposed to that. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. news. That, that's, that's right. I think some of this polling, too, that we see with Joe Biden being very, very weak, Donald Trump being, I guess, strong, somewhat stronger than expected. I still go back to that. Like, if you put Joe Biden against any kind of normie Republican, like Nikki Haley, she beats him by 16. Yeah. Right. And Donald Trump's inside the margin of error. And that that gives you an idea of how unpopular Donald Trump is with with uh, the, the swing voters who determine elections. Yeah. I don't and see that changing at all because those voters are those voters are concerned about his legal troubles and, and democracy. But they're also very concerned about the border. Right. Right. And and the Biden people have got to get their heads out of the Arizona, Texas desert sand <laughs> and do something about it, mm-hmm. right? And the more they pretend that it just doesn't exist, the, the worse it's going to get. You know, if, 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 if my choice is between, you know, a fascist who will, who will fix the problem and someone who's committed to democracy, who's hapless and refuses to pretend it doesn't exist, Americans will choose the first. Mm-hmm. They yeah. will. Yeah. And so, and so he needs, they need to do something about this. I don't think they're going to. Well, um, and I even read some commentary today about uh, how, you know, the funding for uh, the Ukraine and, uh, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and, and the other, uh, you know, support of Israel, it, it could be in danger if, uh, you know, if the Republicans don't give something, or excuse me, the, Demo- if the President Biden doesn't give something on the border to the Republicans. And, uh, no. Well, and now and the White House came out and basically gave some indications that they're going to—they're willing to do that. They're willing to talk about that, yeah. and that shows maybe they are getting a little bit wise on this. Yeah. You know, so the Democrats as a political organization—they really get hurt by their own echo chamber too, right? By you know the, the the mainstream media's reaction to this idea of linking Ukraine to the border is like, how could they possibly? Those crazy Republicans, <laughs> like. I'm sorry, you get something you want, I get something I want? That is That's compromise. That is compromise. And and we haven't That's seen a whole lot of that. It's supposed to work. Yeah, it should be. Yeah. Yeah. It that absolutely. That's the way it's supposed to work, right? So that would be a win-win for everybody. It'd be a win for the country because I think I think I think handing, handing Vladimir Putin um, you know, a country in the middle of, of, of Eastern Europe and putting him right on NATO's doorstep because, you know, we're just annoyed and we want to go home for Christmas. Yeah. Um, it's a terrible thing yeah. for America and its allies. Yeah. Well, uh, it'd be a win for everybody. Ryan Horn, our time has ended, sadly, too soon for my taste. But it, oh, it's always too soon. Uh, thank you, my friend, for joining us. Uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you, my friend. Folks, uh, that's the show. Yeah. And uh, come on back uh, tomorrow. 
Now, go do good things.